Now entering Nerdist.com. My name is Ben Blacker. I'm the host and creator of the Nerdist Writers Panel, which you are currently listening to. I'm also a TV writer myself, having written for Supernatural, Super Ninjas, and currently for uh, the DreamWorks Netflix program Puss in Boots. Check it out. It's now available. I'm also the co-creator of the Thrilling Adventure Hour, a stage program in the style of old-time radio that is now a podcast right here on the Nerdist Network every week. Go to thrillingadventurehour.com for more details. If you enjoy the Nerdist Writers Panel, please leave a review on iTunes and let us know who you want to see on this program by following me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, just like it sounds, and by liking this show on Facebook, facebook.com slash Panel. Now, here's a theme song, or an ad. The Thrilling Adventure Hour is going down under Sydney, Auckland, Wellington, several shows, uh, all the work juice players, including Paul F. Tompkins, Mark Evan Jackson, Paget Brewster, Autumn Reeser, everyone, special guests Molly Quinn, Janet Varney, Jenny Wade. It's going to be great. Music, fun. Scripts that you've never seen before, Australia. Um, there's also going to be an improv show in Auckland. Uh, it's, it's going to be crazy. Go to thrillingadventurehour.com slash downunder for all the details. Um, and that means I'm going to Australia and New Zealand. And uh, I want to know from you, Nerdist Writers Panel listeners, if there are TV writers that I should try to talk to while I'm there. As I said, I'll be in Sydney. Australia, Auckland, New Zealand, and Wellington, New Zealand. Uh, what's going on in television in Australia? What's going on in television in New Zealand? Anything? I don't know anything. Uh, so drop me a line at facebook.com slash panel, or better yet, tell me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, and uh, tell me if there are people I should talk to in Australia and New Zealand. As ever, thank you for listening. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel, and it's hosted by Ben Blacker, where he gets a bunch of writers, and he asks them lots of questions, and it's starting now, so this will be the end of the theme. We're on the air now. <laughs> will you guys, uh, so that the listeners know what you sound like, please introduce yourselves on the microphones? Sure. I am Jack Plotnick, and I co-wrote and directed Space Station 76. And my name is Billy Brooks, and I was a visual effects supervisor and uh, associate producer of Space Station 76. And my creative consultant. Oh, yes. <laughs> that, well, that, that speaks, uh, first of all, very highly of you, Billy, because the uh, VFX and the creativity of that were pretty astounding in this oh, movie. Thank but, you. and this is going to sound like a challenge. Um, a but physical I don't mean challenge because I'm exhausted. It may today. be. We're in a very small okay. room. I really you was never hoping know. to just sit here. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is going. This is going to come out meaner than I mean it. Okay. But it's something that I've been. I, as a writer, have been thinking about a lot. Um, so I kind of want to hear your take on it. Uh, and that is, uh, Space Station seventy six is a very strange movie. Are you aware? <laughs> as a co-writer and director of it, that it is a strange movie, or is this just the movie that, like, you you not only intended to make, but, like, this is what a movie is to you? Well, all movies are strange. <laughs> I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy has people, like, flying in spaceships. That's weird. <laughs> and then there's a talking raccoon. Wait, you know we can fly in spaceships, right? We can? Yeah, yeah, it's not super weird. How can, is, is it free? <laughs> um... 
is it's a strange movie. You know, I didn't see it that way because it was a story I had to tell, Mm -hmm. and it was so part of me, all these characters, and so, no, it really depends on what what your definition of strange, or or what you're uh, talking about when you say strange, because I am aware, though, that the movie is not like most movies uh-huh. <laughs> in the way it's structured and the tone I, I, I really wanted. I, I love this tone. Like mm-hmm. it's the tone I live in. And it's like, a really neat tone. Oh, thank you. It's, it's thank you. Fun but, to but watch. I don't know that we're used to seeing that. Certainly not. But then that makes me sad because it's my favorite kind of movie. <laughs> like, and I don't think for me, like uh, I, I, I would love to think that this movie lives in the same tone as for instance, young adult or Todd Solon's movies like mm-hmm. happiness. Like, I fucking love those movies where, where like, some people in the audience just take it like deathly, yeah. uh, like it's so serious. But I'm like sitting there like cackling. Yeah. Like I love movies like that. And I think I mean I was kind of poking around. So how around. do you mean strange, Ben? That's <laughs> what I think I that, know. that about nails it. Is like oh. it's it's a tone that people don't know quite what to do with, right? And I think part of that is you know if this movie had not been a sci-fi movie. Uh-huh. I think people would have a clearer idea of how to read it. You know what really? I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I think that? so. Why Be- would because the- we're used to independent films looking and feeling a certain way. And this has the tone of those, it has the rhythm yeah. of those, but because it's sci-fi, mm-hmm. people are not used to it. But and I think that's that what's awesome? really cool. Yeah, I, well, I, yeah. I love that, because I, I love something new mm-hmm. that, uh, that I haven't, that don't see all the time. Absolutely. And I love mixing, uh, like mixing genres and tones. Mm-hmm. You know, I love when a movie is funny and, and moving. For sure. And I like to care about characters, but also laugh when they fall down, and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels to me like you approach genre in a really smart way, which is genre is the trappings. You know, it's not what the film is about. It's where the characters are, and it's the world they live in, but it's about human characters. It's about real people. Yeah, but you know they're not real people. They were actors we hired to say those words. You didn't know? I'm unclear. Those robots aren't real robots. Let's break it down. How do movies work? Well, what you do is you sketch drawings really, really fast, and then you flip them. Flip them. You hit render, and it's done. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then nine days later, it's done. Yeah. Uh, Which we will actually, we will talk about, because... Uh, you were you were before we started rolling, telling me about, about some revolutionary techniques uh, that were used. But I want to go back to the story of mm-hmm. this film, um, and in fact, the story of the story of this film, <laughs> because it it seems like there were a whole lot of writers credited. And uh, was this an adaptation of something? Yeah, it was done an, on stage. Exactly. Yeah, That's it was really based neat. on a play that I conceived years ago. I wanted to sort of explore what it was like to be a child in the suburbs in the seventies, uh-huh. and, and what that was like. And I brought these actors together, and we created this script through improv exercises that I would direct them through and type them out. And anyway, so it grew into this play, and then uh, I adapted it into the movie. Yeah. Um, let's talk about that process of creating the characters in the story. Uh, first of all, how long ago was this? Where was this? Who was involved? What can you tell us about those early 1893. stages? Wow. The light bulb had just been... No, um, sorry, it's like about 10 years ago, uh-huh. and the people were uh, Kali Rocha, who, um, Sam Pancake, Jennifer Lee Cox, and Mike Stoyanoff. And uh, what did you ask? 
<laughs> just, yeah. uh, just tell me about the, the yeah, beginnings and what, of this. And, and I gathered them together in my apartment, and, and, and I explained to them the, the world that I wanted to, to do this 70s, examine the 70s through the lens of, of a retro future that never came to be, you know, sort of as a metaphor for unrealized dreams. And I wanted to set it on a space station to sort of symbolize the isolation and the coldness that my parents felt in the suburbs, and a lot of people did. Anyway, but the, but the, the most important thing I wanted to share with them was the fact that I wanted th- this tone that we're talking about. And uh, this was like a year before the British office came out. But I think hmm. that this tone was very much in the air, was this idea of comedy that's not coming out at you, trying to make you laugh with a bunch right. of punchlines, but the comedy of the uncomfortable. And uh, that's what we were going for. And uh, and that, so that's what you see in the movie, mm-hmm. was that... So And, and I, what I love is that all the, all the actors in the movie really captured it. Like, they were all gave these sort of heartbreakingly funny performances, mm-hmm. and I, I love that. But anyway, getting back to the play, so yeah, we ran for about a year. Everybody went their, their separate ways, and then later I, I realized, well, this this should be a movie, and, and it, I adapted it. So uh, when you brought all these people together, did you have anything more than the theme that you wanted to explore? Did you know who these characters were yet, or did that you come know, out of improvisation? That. I think that they came up with a lot of... Uh-huh. Uh, they, they really filled them out. There were probably some ideas. I knew I wanted a robot therapist, and I wanted him to to essentially be like a Casio calculator of the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't remember the details of who exactly... But, but those characters really grew out of those actors and the improvs, and they really they really brought them to life. Interesting. Yeah. And, uh, I, yeah, so, yeah. and then... Uh, you staged it here in L.A.? Is yeah, at right? the HBO Workspace and the okay. Comedy Central stage. And actually, Comedy Central was interested in it as a, as a TV pilot. And <laughs> we, we wrote one, and it, but uh, they didn't go. Sure. Uh, yeah. Can you talk about that process at all? And how long ago was that? Uh, I mean, if this like, thing was around for ten years... Yeah, that was nine years ago. <laughs> but my dear friend Dino Stamatopoulos wrote that. Mm-hmm. He was a big fan of the, of the play. And, yeah. It, and it was very different than the movie. Sure, 100% I would imagine different so. than the movie because he was really commie centralizing it. <laughs> what did that mean at the time? Do you remember? <laughs> well, I mean, he really... He put it into the form that people are used to seeing uh, on Comedy Central in the half-hour comedy. Mm-hmm. But it was a blast. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the movie, I wanted to go back to, to what what the play was saying and to explore those those um, some of those heavier um, you know things going on under the surface versus uh, going to a more comedic laugh thing. Sure. But 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 I you know I I I, I see I yeah anyway to me the 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 movie is as much a comedy as it is a drama. So mm-hmm. it's like sort of like a, a, a tongue-in-cheek drama or a black comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, I'm, and it's certainly, I mean, I think it's billed as a comedy. I think you get comedy from looking at the, the trappings of it, if not yeah. from yeah, the, that the which, moments of it. Yeah, but hopefully the second it starts, you go, oh, okay, this is, you know, with that voiceover, and you oh, go, for sure. okay, so this isn't... You know, we d- we didn't want to look. Spaceballs had already been done, and so had Galaxy Quest. So we didn't want to do that again. Sure. And we wanted, and yeah, absolutely. So, can you tell me a little bit about translating the stage play into the feature film script? Well, the stage play was in English, so there was no translation needed. Wait, what do you mean? Oh yeah, no, I you know I, I we added storylines and characters like mm-hmm. the, that upwardly mobile couple that are so shallow oh, and yeah yeah and so why. Uh, I'm, and I'm going to interrupt you a lot because no. I want to kind of dig deep on this. But no, it's true, but that's okay. <laughs> my show. Um, why? Why the need to introduce that couple? Or well, these because new the play was not a movie, and it was not mm-hmm. long. It wasn't long enough. It wasn't. It wasn't. Didn't have the depth, and then the, hmm. it was just. It was a very 
light piece. It was, uh, I mean, so, though, you know, everything, it, it just, the whole world needed to be expanded and explored and, and all the, the, what the things that we were trying to say uh, just needed to be said more, more deeply. Mm-hmm. And, and so a lot, I mean, I would say fifth, the movie is maybe 50% the play, but then 50% all, all new stuff. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So what kind of things did you discover about the existing material as you were uh, adapting it? Oh, gosh. Wow, what an interesting question. Yeah, I'm very good at this. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, um, there, uh, let me see. I don't know. Just that, well, I, that, like I was in love with the existing material, and that's why I I, I knew it w- it should be a movie and needed to then, to continue. Yeah, I mean that also makes it hard to adapt though, because you can get very attached to things, or you can feel like this works and like that is set in stone. How can I possibly move that or mm-hmm. or change it? Yeah, yeah. Well, you have to be willing to allow things to change, but um, I also at the same time didn't want to take what I felt was so special about the play and cram it into some Hollywoodized version mm-hmm. of what people expect from a sci-fi film. And if that pisses some people off, um, I apologize, but Spaceballs is on Netflix now, right. and you can watch it there. Other films are available. Galaxy <laughs> Quest is there. You yes. can watch it. Airplane, sure. it's there. You can watch it again if you want to see that again. <laughs> I didn't want to make that again. Yeah. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah. So you were saying what? Uh, what were you saying? So what? What were some of the challenges in adapting the the stage version? I mean, well, you've got this script that's been worked. I mean, if it's been performed, then it's certainly been tested and worked. Yeah. And, you know, you feel like you something you have something that works for that media. Well, the world was very small. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I needed to add more characters. Otherwise, it was just you were just stuck with these people. Plus, you know, when you're doing a play, it's a lot of people in rooms talking. And I wanted to give the movie movement and, and to free it up and allow it to be everything a movie wants to be and to uh, go into outer space. And, and, we, you know, the whole asteroid, the looming asteroid is... Is, was not in the play, and oh, you know the play ended with the party, and everybody. Um, there was no. Uh, well, I don't want to give away the ending for if you haven't seen it, but uh, yeah, I wanted to give an ending that that would that would feel like you you had an idea of of how these people were going to continue mm-hmm. versus just stopping short. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think the. I, I, everything you want to know about these people's future is in that ending montage. Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. And uh, I mean, all the clues are there. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't. I didn't feel I needed to have a photo of each character and go. They <laughs> right. got married and then had a baby. Text on yeah, the bottom, it's sort yeah. of like it's all there. And it, anyway, so I wanted to make sure that it had an ending where where you weren't left hanging. Mm-hmm. Uh, although with Sunshine, it was as the little girl in, mm-hmm. the, in the show who you know I really wanted it you know to be left uncertain with her because hmm. so she is sort of us I mean, she was a um, she's a latchkey kid ignored by her family uh sounds uh like something that happened to me no um but what i love about the ending of the movie is that 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 moment at the end when you see that little smile on her face and you and yeah it's like you don't quite know what's going to happen with her but you know that she survived it mm-hmm. and that's who we are we survived it and you know and 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 if she can then and then so did we and uh, so I, I I like that 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 little question mark at the mm-hmm. end of of uh, you know. It's, it doesn't. Some of the characters they get it works out great for them. Some not so great. Sunshine's a question mark to me. I know what happens to mm-hmm. her, but I like that it's a question mark. Yeah. But the important thing is to know she survived it with a smile on her face. As as uh, yeah. And that's interesting. I mean, it, it feels like you've stuck 
you you always have that theme as an anchor for yourself. You know, you could you could get as weird or as silly or as as whatever as yeah, grim the, the as you wanted. The gerbils were not in the play. I wonder. The naked about woman that, floating actually. was not in the play. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we need. Uh, there was a lot less masturbating in the play. <laughs> I find that hard to believe. These are the things I added, and now you oh, know how do my you mean brain in the works. Player in the theater. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and the interesting thing about that angel was that was a, a Playboy playmate, and and I found out that women shave down there now. And um, what? Anyway, so we had to get her a. It's what is it called a merkin? merkin. Yeah, because you can't get and that's where they brought you 70s. in. Billy. Yeah. yeah, so Billy was brought in to digitalize her. <laughs> but there's a Halloween supply store right around the corner from where we were shooting, so they went and grabbed <laughs> a, like a beard and uh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. my it's poor like makeup woman. She was so. Uh, I mean, she was such a, a good sport, but I just remember kneeling in front of that her and like <laughs> taping that merk into her crotch, and I could tell she was just thinking, "I am not being paid enough for this." <laughs> But I also learned something interesting that uh, they, I thought, you know, she might want to do, like, I knew women, I, look, I'm gay, but I know the nipples do something, and I thought, <laughs> I just remember I snuck some ice on the set thinking, is that what they do? Because, of course, showgirls, right? Gay. So anyway, <laughs> I put the ice there thinking I'm being so smart, and then it turns out that's not what they do. She ignored the ice, but right before action, she started pinching them. That's how you... These are the secrets of Hollywood, you guys. <laughs> The more now you know. you know everything you need to Orson know. Orson Welles used yeah. to do the same yes, thing. Yes. So I was like, oh, wow, okay. So I did that before we started the interview. Obviously. So, yeah, 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 I was prepared. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Um, was In adapting the script, was the uh, idea always that you would direct it as well? The yeah, film? it was sort of the kind of movie that nobody else could, which is sort of smart of me, but I didn't really mean to do it this way. But it was sort of like, well, who else? This is so my vision that, mm-hmm. that the producers... We're like, you know, I think we'll be okay raising money with you as a director because who else could direct this? It's so, you know, on the page, it is sort of, it's not an ex, it's not a script you expect to read. And mm-hmm. so it was like, yeah, anyway, so. Uh, and what, what was your experience as a writer and director before this film? Well, uh, uh, I, I mean, had, we know you as an actor for many years, of course. But, you know, I, it feels like this is... It, is this, this is your first feature that you've definitely directed, my first yes. feature. I had directed the the I co-directed every episode of Love Spring International, which oh, was okay. a TV show I yeah. helped create for a lifetime that Jane Lynch and was right. on and Wendy McLennan Covey. So I I directed before, and of course I'm. When am I not putting up a comedy show? Like all through my twenties and thirties, mm-hmm. like always. So I was always directing, uh, but I never directed a whole feature, mm-hmm. just some shorts. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it was just very natural. I also teach as a hobby, and which is it's kind of a funny story of why, why Liv got involved with the movie because she had seen some of my lectures online that I do for actors, and she'd wanted, she she was wanting to get back into acting, and she thought, well, when she saw my lecture online and spoke with me, she was like, you know what, this is how I want to get back in oh, and be around this energy because I I talk about acting and teach it in a way that makes it really fun and easy, and when you're enjoying it and approaching it in a sort of Love, loving way, you, you actually it, it, book more work and, and you hmm. can give a better performance. Sure. So, anyway. So how do you bring that to writing and directing? Huh? What, what is, how does that uh, philosophy translate? Uh, whether it's, you know, actively as a director or, or just the, well, you, the you, love of the craft? 
Well, it's just about not having anxiety, about not torturing yourself with anxiety to do this thing that you think you're supposed to get done that day or to write a script that you think you're supposed to write, but to speak from your heart and to trust that it'll grow into what it needs to, to, to grow into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess like that. You know, on okay. set, it was more just about letting them do what they all... I mean, these were amazing actors, mm-hmm. and we were so lucky. So it was really just creating a space where they could just play, and it wasn't like I had to pull these performances out of them it was more just let them do what they do but create an atmosphere where they feel they safe to do so let me ask you to get a little nuts and boltsy on that how do you create that atmosphere a lot of cocaine no i don't know what um <laughs> what do you do but, uh, i can, I can I, he has a magnetism of honesty and truth that you don't have to pretend to be something you're not you're just free to be an artist hmm. So that that translated to my side of the stuff, but I could see it with everybody else on set. And Jack created this sort of environment of freedom, and art grows in that space. And uh, that's your only compliment for the month, by the way. Oh, dang um, it! But uh, wasted yeah, it on that. so that's it. I mean, he just has an honesty that that you trust, and uh, you know, art just thrives yeah, in that environment. That's great. Yeah. Um, let's talk about your side of things. At what point in this process were you brought in? Did you guys have a relationship before the film started? Yeah. Uh, we uh, we met on the set of uh, Girls Be Girls 2, uh, and I was just volunteering to help out. And then I invited him over to DreamWorks because I was working at DreamWorks Animation. We had lunch one day, and uh, he told me, yeah, I'm writing this movie this kind of uh, a cross between Space 1999. And I didn't hear what was beyond those words. <laughs> You know, it's just like Space 1999, but... And I'm like... Wait, I'm curious. What was beyond those words? What did you uh, see the film as? Space 1999 meets the ice storm? Is that Mm -hmm. probably what I said? Absolutely what I would have guessed. That's great. And that moment in time was a fork in my life. Hmm. That was a major, like, you know, locked thing in the timeline, right? And uh, everything changed. I was like, I I have to be involved somehow. And I started... Uh, we no, in the end, producers. we couldn't have done it without you, Billy. So it's just fortuitous that I, we, yeah, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. I mm. mean, and it was. We started with. I met the producers, and Jack and I were drawing a space station on napkins, you know. And then I took it to friends that you know have been in the industry for quite a while, and um, you know, when I ta- described the product or the the project rather, people were jumping over themselves to hmm. get involved, like me, because they love the idea so much, and we yeah. all are crafted in that that seventy sci fi genre. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was there from that moment to mm. sound to color. I was actually working on shots uh, about fifteen minutes before we actually finished. Picture the motion of course. Course. Of picture locked. Picture locked. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was I'm actually no sleep for about two days on my <laughs> laptop. But uh, yeah, and then we did sound and publicity and South by Southwest, and and yeah. we're still yeah. going. The movie is, is a total film. homage to our favorite film, like mm-hmm. sci-fi films of the seventies, and we had a blast. Um, you know, finding ways to to bring in aspects of the different films we love, mm-hmm. but also we. Do you want, want to talk about uh, some of those? Yeah, sure. Sure. I mean, because in many ways, as much as it is a unique document, it certainly whole, ha, uh, wears its influences on its sleeve. Yeah, in a fun way. But we wanted to also create something you hadn't seen, which is that I told all the designers from set to costumes, set dressing. I said, I want to create a new world where we take what sci-fi films in the '70s looked like and marry it with what actual '70s suburbia looked like. That's you know, really so neat. you'll get a capsule that does look like a Space 1999, but it's got like shag carpeting and wood paneling mm-hmm. on the walls. So that was really fun to find. 
find that 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 intersection of those two things mm-hmm. because that's really what where the heart of the movie lives in this fantasy of what the what the world could be as a kid yeah. and what it really was and what it turned out to be but you know 2001 for me is the penultimate one and and, and we you know my cinematographer even we talked about how can we go back to that classic 70s way of filming things and, and you know, no cam- jiggly camera and, mm-hmm. and you know, long shots where people yeah. are moving through the frame. Logan's Run is a huge... <laughs> I love that movie. It's, uh, one of the things, actually, from <clears throat> that movie was the... There's a hologram scene where, where, where Glenn, the, cat, the closeted captain, talks to his ex, and he, he talks to him as a uh, hologram. Mm-hmm. And r- right from the beginning, I didn't want to do the Princess Leia hologram right. that mm-hmm. we've seen constantly, but I wanted to go back to that Logan's Run rainbow oh, rainbow hologram yeah. that not only did I love it in the movie but I had those stickers as a kid which so sure. again it's that marriage of like our real childhoods mixed with with and you know that fantasy we had of where the world was going and didn't end up yet <laughs> what else Billy? what other movies uh silent running obviously with the arboretum yeah um mm-hmm. and uh uh let's see 2001 there's some easter eggs in there, uh, I wanted to put more of it in out of time, but you know, there's a there's a, a monolith uh, hidden in the video game graphics, uh, <laughs> just for a few yeah. frames. We made sure um, the ships were clean. Yes, that's yeah. the other thing. Yeah, the ships were were you know not pre Star Wars. Things are very white yeah. and, and pristine. Yeah. No sound in space. Right, and Kier mm-hmm. himself said, "You're not going to put sound in space." Did I say that? <laughs> that's or, amazing. Yeah, it's like no, we're going to fight for no sound in space, and uh, you know, so uh, the, you know, the producers yeah. were really giving and just like you guys do your thing and you know they they yeah and on top of that it wasn't just sci-fi i mean i really studied the shining mm-hmm. um and ordinary people <laughs> and, and not, yeah. you know for the way they told stories but also the way the sh- scenes were shot uh, worship the shining and um yeah so let the right it, one cool. in was another one yeah well that definitely was a, it's a huge inspiration to me but they also they hearken back to the 70s sure, it's true it's totally. a brilliant movie the way they use color is a lot like kubrick and so i was very inspired yeah. by that and, and definitely wanted to use color in the same ways oh that's really cool mm. um these producers who are they how did you crazy people yeah how did you trick someone <laughs> into paying for this movie <laughs> yeah. well I met I was at Sundance with a movie called Sleeping Dogs Lie that Bobcat Goldthwait made I met mm-hmm. them at a party and they were suitably drunk enough to be willing to read my script <laughs> and they just got it you know that's the great thing about this movie it attracts the people that it's meant to attract and mm-hmm. they just instantly got it loved it wanted to do it um, now finding the investors who agreed that's mm-hmm. trickier because again yeah it's not your it, it's not um, your normal movie and so, uh, but they're they're just awesome people. Edward Parks and Rachel Ward from Rival Pictures, and uh, they they never they never questioned it, never pushed me to do anything but tell the story I wanted to tell, and, and, and gave great advice all throughout. I'm curious about some of that. Did you get notes on the script from them or from other people? Yes, I did. Of course, I think it's important to reach out, and people Absolutely. I respected read it and gave me some some good notes. So, what yeah. was some of the feedback that you got on on drafts? Um. Let's see. Um, more masturbating. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I don't That's my note on every script. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Um, Avengers is good, but. Yeah. <laughs> it could have been so much better. 
it's hard to remember that now because again, it was a long process of writing, sure. and that, so it's a while back now. It's hard for me to remember the specifics of that sort of thing. Well, the opening yeah. voiceover. Oh, that was a great note that came actually after the movie was done. At a, we did oh, really? several uh, test screenings with people re- I respect and friends, and and um, got, uh, somebody put it in great. He said, you know, it's so important in the first moments to let people know what they're about to see, hmm. and uh, the person mentioned several examples, and and uh, so we added the voiceover. And now it's hard to imagine it without it. Yeah. I mean, I just love that voiceover, and uh, so that. Was and it does feel very much of the time, too. Yeah. And, it, and again, it speaks to this sort of isolation and the yeah. claustrophobia that I think. You're yeah, and, and that's uh, that suburban ennui. And mm-hmm. um, gosh, I can't think of other. Lar- no, oh, oh well, of course, the ending moment. You 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 should tell that. Uh, uh, yeah. So, uh, like, who was involved with it? The- yeah. Okay. Anyway, so we showed it to a friend of ours, um, and uh, his uh, a friend of mine, Dean um, Tabloa, who's a director of How to Train Your Dragon too. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he came over, and uh, we showed it to him, and. Uh, uh, he loved it, but he said the final moment, yeah. because in, originally in the final s- close-up of Sunshine, she's looking quite morose. Like, just her, her face is completely blank, and you can't tell what she's thinking, which originally was my how I saw mm-hmm. it ending. But he said... Uh, just a slight glimmer of hope. Give us some just, hope. Yeah. I loved that note. And yeah. the thing was, I never directed her smile. So we were going through that footage. There were oh, no wow. smiles. <laughs> but then at the last second, we noticed at the, that at the beginning of one of the takes, she is smiling. But then I probably said, stop smiling. And she stopped smiling. So we just played it backwards. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah, and yeah, it worked neat. out great. And then Sony actually gave us a wonderful note where they because it ended on her close-up. And they said, you know, we don't want to end it on the close-up. Is You know, what else have you got? Hmm. And Billy had this great idea where well let's pull out of the ship and he created that beautiful last mm-hmm. shot which i think is so moving uh to sort of step back sure. and sort of see that ship that they're all living in and I, lo- I love that shot and then of course that song married to it is heaven yeah, i saw it, the light by todd rungram it's so good but that I, was a sony note yeah yeah I, and that, yeah. that was a digital double um that was actually uh we took kylie to light stage in burbank and it was the same stage that you know, scan uh, Robert Downey Jr. and mm-hmm. Mark Ruffalo for the Avengers, so it creates a du- digital duplicate. Oh, interesting. So uh, we just... Yeah, um, our little independent film used, like, the latest technology that nobody yeah. else is using because of Billy. Well, I, yeah, I, I want to talk about that, because we started talking again before we were rolling, but tell us a little bit about this process and, and what you got to play with in making this film. So, uh, because we weren't a studio movie, and because I wasn't part of a bigger VFX facility, and I was running the show out of my apartment <laughs> um we could take risks and uh, there's a new technology uh it's a rendering engine called octane uh, made by otoy and uh it it, it, it the details basically are just it's super super fast and, <laughs> how uh, does it get to be that i mean well, okay, like I'm, so, I'm working on a cg animated show okay, and okay the rendering okay. takes okay, fucking I'm, I'm, forever I'm taking the cuffs <laughs> off, yeah. all right so um octane runs on the gpu instead of the cpu so that means that makes no sense okay yeah. so it uses the video card instead of the computer okay. so it's so it's way faster meaning that you artistically get to iterate mm-hmm in the bigger... That makes sense. Uh, all the other render engines out there, they're slowly moving to this new t- uh, style of technology. But uh, it basically means that I didn't have to cut as many quarters uh, at corners as you always have to do because of time. Mm-hmm. So uh, I How was, much faster is it's, it? It's... I, I, okay. So <laughs> instead of four hours of frame, it was seven minutes of frame. 
Wow. <laughs> yeah. So imagine be, being so able could, to... You can actually paint with this. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. interactively, you get an idea of exactly what it's yeah. going to look like instead of guessing, because with the bigger you know, uh, facilities, um, they have these massive pipelines that are independent, and you break one thing, and the whole thing falls apart. Right. So they can't nimbly adjust to a new technology, but I could because, you know, it's just me. Right. So, so how, did you, how did you become the guy to have access to this technology? Well, I met them. Uh, uh, Are you from the future? Uh, yes, <laughs> I am actually, but now I've actually told you, so my uh. timeline is corrupt. <laughs> a lot. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I met them at Seagraph, which is a big, you know, tech conference, and, uh, you know, I told them about the movie, and they happen to be big fans of the genre. So they're like, oh, my God, this would be great for our new technology. I'm like, yes, please. And <laughs> we became friends. They became a tech partner, and uh, they were instrumental in giving us that look of miniatures. So the goal from day one was to try to make it look like we shot practical models. Yeah. And uh, I actually had a Which fight. Which it really does. Oh, thank you. Oh, <laughs> really cool. Thank you. That's the highest compliment. <laughs> I, I really appreciate that. Uh, um, uh, someone was blasting me on IMDb for not using models. Yeah. I know I should never read that stuff. But, yeah. uh, you know, there's so much involved with that. And I love the, the models. I love practical stuff and mm-hmm. I had many many friends that are that were involved with that but small movie can't afford them. we can't Absolutely. and so the idea is to try the whole movie actually is paying homage and it's a love letter to the craft hmm. you know uh, the style of the movie the 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 paying respect to the the genre not making fun of it mm-hmm. you know to a certain extent oh, for sure you it's, know and it's obviously to, a sort of like loving homage yeah and that's kind and of how we parody. got here delay actually because yeah. uh you know we wrote a letter to him saying that we're trying really hard to here's the script we're trying really hard to make uh this a uh, uh, a very classy sophisticated love letter to the genre and you know you're science fiction royalty in our opinion <laughs> and uh, he agreed to do it so that's how we got here uh, to do that which is awesome but back in technology uh super fast makes it very easy to to play around and when you're one guy because I had a lot of help with the compositing, but the CG stuff was mostly me. Hmm. And, uh, wow. uh, you know, um, to be able to wait until the last three weeks to start rendering. Um, so that's a no-no in the <laughs> yeah. industry. But uh, we were able to crazy. do it, and, uh, you know, it, it, it all worked out. And we were just very, very blessed to have um, uh, the support. Uh, for um, you know, uh, techn- we got mm-hmm. lots of support through the software companies like the Foundry and Adobe, and yeah. again because you know relationships and it all starts with Jack. It's Jack, isn't it? Jack, <laughs> that you know, <laughs> we uh, he starts. It all starts with him, and this this environment of love and freedom, mm-hmm. and it just it's I I can't describe the joy of being in this environment and being able to do your do your shit you know and without <laughs> restraint great. and everybody wins mm-hmm. you know so we use this technology and you know uh, I was at ILM for eight years and uh, um, he I actually him. is the one who made R2-D2 fly for the first time are you really yeah I designed he the totally uh, designed you're to blame yeah. <laughs> yes no no but I, it wasn't I, his no, idea no no no, no. I got booed at, at, a, at a at celebration a couple years ago are you ago. kidding me but I said I agree with you guys but yeah, yeah. look it was his it's job it's a job <laughs> no, 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 but think I was so meticulous about that stuff because I would check with Don Bees, who would actually do the practical joy stuff. I'm like, Don, 
come here and look at this. He's like, dude, I can never make him move that straight in alignment. Oh, yeah, good. So That's I, really the little neat. things. Yeah. And he had to figure out how to make R2-D2 walk upstairs. Yes. Didn't you do that, too? Yeah, That's so crazy. he'd never done that before, so That's I had really to, funny. I played with yeah. my little R2-D2 toy for a couple of days to figure it out. But, <laughs> That's uh, a tough job. <laughs> it is. Uh, you know, we have to do it. But I had, We had incredible people working on this with such like yep. historic backgrounds. Benny Burt did our sound. He's the son of Ben Burt. And at Skywalker, Ben created like all of the most amazing sounds from Star Wars. Oh, wow. So we were like doing sound with his son, and we suddenly realized that right to our left is this old organ. What is it? Like a synthesizer. synthesizer. And it was literally what what his father had created R2D2's voice on. And then to our right was this scuba mask that he had created Darth Vader's uh, uh, breathing from. The woman who did the sound of Matt Bomer's mechanical hand, Mm -hmm. she actually created C-3PO's sounds when he moves his arm. So it was like... A dream come true. That's and wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the the guy who modeled and designed the uh, space trucker mm-hmm. played the Wampa in the special edition. <laughs> um, Howie Weed. And, That's uh, ridiculous. You know. Oh, it was yeah. It was a dream come true to to work with these people. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, is this before we we get off the topic? Is this technology becoming more widespread at this point, or is it too yes, expensive for the major it's companies It's not expensive to adopt? at all, actually. Okay. It's, uh, it's, it's very reasonable. And I actually consult, I actually work at Otoy now because of the movie, and uh, nice. I couldn't be happier. Um, uh, I just loved it so much, and the joy it gave me as an artist. I'm like, I need to work for you guys because I'm going to sell this whether you want me to or not because it's so <laughs> liberating as an artist. Um, so it's getting out there, uh, and um, uh, it's just scary because it's so different, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, new technology is something so drastic. You can't sure. just like, we're just going to break transformers. Michael will understand, <laughs> right. you know. So we have to. Everybody's very careful of adopting of new course. stuff. So this is so radical. It's going to take time to get in there, but it's uh, it'll it'll get there. Um, but uh, it's amazing. That's really cool. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about, about um, putting the film together. Uh, once you knew it was happening, um, how did you go about, what did pre-production look like for you? Um, pre-production? Well, I mean, even, I would we had say to create even, a whole world. Yeah. So, you know, it was, um, we... We looked at a lot of imagery from the 70s. I created like this huge Flickr account with all these pictures of buildings and interiors, and because we wanted, you know, the the the, the, everything to be inspired by not only sci-fi movies but also 70s, uh, Mm -hmm. that futuristic style people were using in the 70s. That as a kid I was obsessed with, and so you know, like the space the Omega 76, which is the major um, ship of the movie, actually is utilizes pieces of actual 70s buildings architecture. Oh, yeah, stuff like that, and um, this, the, the set designer, Seth, the brilliant Seth Reed, he, him, and I poured over uh, books of interior design and 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 from the seventies and talked about w- what would be the best way to go about it. So it was all the designers were really excited to create this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was a lot of looking at pictures and deciding what you know the costumes. Some of them are actual seventies clothing, mm-hmm. but then some were were were, were created and, and designed by the customers, like That's their nice. their uniforms. But uh, it all happened quite quickly, so it was pretty crazy because, you know, once the actors were attached, all of a sudden it becomes about, this is the date they can do it. Right. You know? Absolutely. Hap- yeah, so it happened quite quickly, wouldn't so, you say? Yeah, can I ask yeah, you what kind built of... built a spaceship on the soundstage in the valley. I was going to ask. Yeah. That's really neat. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was How incredible big a space to be there. That? 
Um, uh, I don't know. They have maybe no three of the. I don't know. Uh, twice, <laughs> twice. Three <laughs> meltdowns. Two yeah. meltdowns. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two, right. two and a half meltdowns. <laughs> that, that's universal. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. the first set that was that near completion was that hallway, that big white mm-hmm. long hallway. That I mean, Billy and I just wanted to live there. As a matter of fact, when we were we were crying when they tore it down, and Billy took a piece of it home and put nice. it in his bedroom, so he gets to live. In yeah, that and hall. I, I lit it too, so I actually wake yeah. up on on the space station every day. Don't judge me. That's yeah. totally healthy. Yeah, um, it is. What uh, what kind of budget were you working with, and what kind of time frame? Not enough money, very quickly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you mean in terms of pre-production? In, in the whole production. How long did we shoot? Uh, about 20? 20, 21 days. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's not a, an, an unreasonable amount of time. That's that's pretty manageable. I mean, it's yeah. never enough, obviously, yeah. <laughs> but that seems pretty manageable. Yeah. Um, and and the neat thing about you know a spaceship is you can reuse walls because mm-hmm. that's kind of what it would be anyway, and that's how that's we were able to afford it. Right? Yeah, but we always <laughs> pushed past what we could afford, and the it was always like, we come on, we need a ceiling on the hallway, and mm-hmm. so it was always just sort of going, oh well, okay, we can we'll do that, and it was a lot of figuring out well what sets could just be a one wall or a two wall mm-hmm. set, and how how to do that so we, there was storyboarding of that and figuring that out sure mm-hmm. uh, and how did how did the casting happen well i had met Pat, patrick wilson uh through a friend and um that's how i uh was able to, to get him mm-hmm. to read the script he we went to the same school and matt bomer as well but i was i'm a little older than them and uh so he read the script and originally was looking at the role of ted which matt bomer played and then he realized you know what i want to be glenn and it was like brilliant <laughs> it's like of course and what i i mean my god you've never seen patrick wilson get to be funny in movies yeah, he because great. he said it he said you know i only get to do comedies when friends put me in them which is so a shame because he's, he's hysterical so sure Oh my God! So um, and Matt Bomer, I love this. He his best quote about why someone did the film. He said he did it fulfilled two childhood fantasies: one to be in a '70s sci-fi film, and the other to live in a John Cheever novel. <laughs> and so he was like, "I had to do the movie." That's really funny. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so we got super lucky with nice. casting. Yeah, where'd you yeah. find Jerry that kid? O'Connell. She was great. Just kept through cat through our casting really? director, and yeah, Just I mean, kids. she's. Brilliant. She's really great. She will buy and sell all of us. <laughs> she's already like moved on like twelve different projects. I think she's a regular right. on a new Steven Spielberg series. She's the real deal, and and she is like a one take wonder. And you don't wow. even have to direct her. She reads the script. She knows exactly what's happening in the scene, and she gets it in one or two takes. It was sort of like if we were running late. It was like, well, don't worry, Kylie's in the next scene. The girl is <laughs> That's brilliant. Never the way. No, it's really yeah, funny. yeah, she is an, an incredible find. That's great. Um, yeah. Let me. I had to put glasses on her because I was like, "You're too cute." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I actually thought was really dirty upper I, hair. Yeah, I'm, in that first scene when you see those glasses, you're looking at a very specific type of character. I feel like. Oh and yeah, I thought that what's was that? really cool. Oh good. Uh, it is that that '70s sort of outcast kid. Yeah. Which I really liked. Yeah. Um, let me ask you, uh, as as an actor, you've worked in all kinds of different shows and films and stuff. Um, what have you learned about storytelling from working, collaborating with different people over the years and in different kinds of uh, media over the years? Well, I, I, what have I learned about it? You know, I, I never, I haven't read the, all the books on how to write, you know, for TV and film. Mm-hmm. And I, I just feel like, you know, you have to uh, tell the story from your gut and 
tell and, and not tell the story you want to tell as you want to tell it. I mean, that was the most inspiring thing about doing Quentin Dupieux's movies and also working with Richard Day is to just if you you know step out of the system, stop playing by the rules, and tell the story that you really really would want to see. Because if you really want to see it, there's a lot of other people who will too. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can sort of be not immediately understood, but fuck them. <laughs> Well, you have a day job to fall back. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, everything's different. You know, I, I work on sitcom, I work on dramas, and you have to, you know, so every story has different rules, you know. Mm-hmm. And But, yeah. Have you, you know, again, you've been putting up shows and stuff for years and years. Uh, were you always a writer as well as a performer? Yeah, but I would never call myself that. Right. I just more just thought of myself as a creative person. Mm-hmm. And so whatever was creative, I wanted to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. What kind of stuff was that as you were growing up? Well, um... Hmm. Oh, well, I mean, I was going to be in musical theater for my life, and then I discovered sketch comedy, thank God, which led me to, like, I, I played a recurring role on Conan O'Brien. I did made, like, 13 appearances as this wacky character. And then I, uh, so what is it? Sorry. Um, a lot of, of, of macaroni art where you glue it. I'm really into that right now. No. Um, Wait, so when you, when you. I don't, I don't, I don't uh, plan too much. I just do what I have to do. Like, I, uh-huh. right now I have a, a musical that I co wrote and directed that I'm directing on Broadway next year so that's called disaster yeah i just i want to always be doing something that is really exciting that i love with people who uh, respect and uh, excite me that's fair that's a very good answer yeah i think that's good advice too oh good um how can people see this movie um i will come to your house and Mm -hmm. show it on your wall if you can put up a sheet or something no everywhere everywhere you can download a movie you can itunes tell all the people (laughs) tell them the name tell them the places itunes right and google Google play Play, xbox live uh target amazon best buy Mm -hmm. you can buy the dvd or you can just download it in high def or low def and itunes yeah it's a, a netflix is a dvd rental okay it's not on blu-ray which is unfortunate that's yeah. that would yeah. look pretty amazing how do you do uh, that? Yeah. Yeah. So you can watch it in high that? def yeah. just by yeah. downloading yeah. that version. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you can own it. If, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And it's Space Station 76. Yeah, that's the website. You can look it up. Oh, com. Yeah. Is there more stuff to see on the website? No, the, but the DVD has a lot of fun stuff. Nice. Yeah, it has deleted scenes. And I, I, I love a good outtake reel. I wish I could have put right? it in the credits like Smoking the Bandit. That would have made me so happy. But we've got like a great so one on the jarring. DVD. Oh, I know. Very odd. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And there's a making of video on the DVD. So there's a lot of fun stuff there. Great. Uh, and what is next for you guys? Billy? Together uh, or separately? Oh, God, I'm never... I mean, um... <laughs> yeah, it was very difficult being next to you. For this, I understand. Uh, yeah. uh, you want some time away. Yeah, I really do. Uh, no, um, um, working on a movie called Christmas Time and uh, um, uh, working with Otoy, helping develop their product and getting it out into the hands of artists cool. and uh, having fun. And, you know, Jack and I talk to each other every day and we're still having fun. You know, space station stuff and yeah. you know, possible. Yeah, this is a long, ongoing campaign to get people to watch space station, and I think that's that's great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the more you can, but we don't you know, have. Kind yeah, of Sony how doesn't have do that, that budget for advertising us yeah. like crazy. So yeah, hopefully, you know, word will spread and the right people will find it. And and, and yeah. Again. All right. So, and you're writing and directing this musical. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I'd love to direct again. I'm just uh, thinking about what that would be and, mm-hmm. and writing. Would you direct stuff. something that yes. someone else wrote? I'd love to. I, yeah, definitely. Really? Okay. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Call me. Uh, and we. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, and we'll end as we always do by asking you guys what are you watching on television these days what movies are you watching that is getting you excited or inspired to make stuff or just to talk with your friends and loved ones about um, I'm so behind the times because I only have Netflix now so I just find, I watch all the Breaking Bads and, and as many of the Walking Deads as I can watch on that and I'm like, hurry up and buy the new one. <laughs> so yeah, and then what, what else? You, you you go while I think about what else. Uh, Agents of Shield, really mm-hmm. heavily into that. Yeah. Uh, Walking Dead, um, um, uh, Supernatural, still love that show. Uh, all, all the like, the Gotham is actually pretty good too. The Flash into it, yeah. So I'm into all the the good stuff. All right. Yeah. You're in the right store. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's why I bought a Doctor Who thing That's last right. year. Yeah, yeah. and start- Doctor Who, of course. Yeah, I saw Guardians twice. I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I found that incredibly inspiring. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for uh, having us. Everyone, go check out Space Station 76. Uh, make these guys happy, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com.